0: Hello and welcome to NDIS Know How, a podcast series that asks how can parents get the very best NDIS plan and sufficient funding to support their kid. This podcast is written and made by me, Melanie Dimmitt, the author of Special and powered by Hiram, a disability support platform connecting families like mine with top-notch support workers. This episode of NDIS Know How is sponsored by Peds Education. Today I'm chatting with Sarah-Ann Taylor who was born in South Africa, raised in the UK and now lives in Sydney. Sarah is a brand communication expert who works in PR and is a mother of two boys, two-year-old Roman and Franklin who's five and has cerebral palsy.
1: He's what you would call high support needs, so he needs um, help with every aspect of life. Um, But I think more importantly he just has the the needs of any little five-year-old boy, so he loves playing, learning, he's got a bit of a ferocious appetite for um, being entertained and um, loves, you know, being Spider-Man, hanging upside down, um, laughing. So yeah, he's, he's quite joy, but he, he keeps us busy, as does his brother.
0: Sarah is one of those parents who I am very much in awe of in this space. She does her research and she doesn't take no for an answer. In our chat, we cover how she makes sure that her son Franklin isn't waiting months or years for the supports he needs, and how new changes to the NDIS can help us to do the same for our kids. First up, I ask her How do you feel when you think about the NDIS? Do you get a good feeling? Are you frustrated? What kind of, what does that summon in you? We're in a pretty good place with it now, but we had
1: a really rough experience when we started out with it. So I think there's a lot of work to be done in terms of not making it more challenging for families than it needs to be when they're already dealing with a lot on their plate. I think it could be streamlined a lot and, and relieving parent frustration should be a priority for them as well
0: cheers to that yes mm-hmm. it should fingers crossed that this review yeah. has some good results that look a bit like that um you touched on there that you've had challenges with the NDIS can you tell me a bit about what your struggles have been with this game
1: I think one of the biggest struggles has been around getting timely access to support so the NDIS I think really likes to work in um, pockets of time you know typically it's a 12 month um review process. But kids like Franklin can change an incredible amount in a 12-month period. And when you're going through that planning process, you know, maybe three months before your plan's even approved, you have, you don't have a crystal ball. You've got no idea what supports they may need in the next two months, let alone the next 12 months. Um, so trying to forecast and get the right plan in place um, that will allow you to adequately support them over that period can be a challenge and I think I've learned some good tips on how to do that as we progress but we definitely got burnt by it at at the start and had situations where we waited you know 12 months for a standing frame and that really caused harm to him um not having access to that in, in time that he needed it um and other things like you know when I um had had Roman um we needed extra support in the family because physically I wasn't able to support Franklin the way we needed and and NDIS just couldn't turn that around quickly enough. So we had to look for support elsewhere. Um, so yeah, it's it's the, the timeliness that is the biggest challenge as well as sometimes um, dealing with people who may not understand the situation properly.
0: Yes. It is so frustrating when you wait that long for a piece of equipment that your child no longer fits into it once it, arrives or it's no longer appropriate or like you say you've missed out on all this potential goodness that could have come from them having it in that time I definitely want to hear your tips about this Sarah because a conversation that we had um, recently has really stuck with me both of us need modified vehicles for our sons who are wheelchair users we have been waiting for ours to happen we bought the car with our own money The modifications are covered by NDIS. We've got the funds, but the provider we're going with is lovely, but they keep pushing our time to do the modifications further and further into the future. They were meant to happen mid-year. They didn't. They were meant to happen in October. They didn't. Now they're saying next year. And goodness knows when you, on the other hand, were in the same situation but found a different provider and already have had these modifications done. So maybe if you could tell me a bit about how that all played out and also share your tips generally for parents who are getting very frustrated waiting for these vital supports. Uh,
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I think, yeah, we've, we've definitely learned a lot along the way. So my biggest piece of advice would be plan ahead, plan early because um, these big, big pieces of work, whether it's home modifications or vehicle modifications, they do take time. They take time because the um, level of reporting and quoting the NDIS needs is much higher than, um, say, you know, might be for a standing frame. So uh, with, you know, building modifications, for example, or car modifications, you have to get at least two to three different quotes from different suppliers. And that means booking those appointments in, waiting for them to come. So don't think you can get this piece of, um, you know, c- quoting an assessment done in the month before your planning meeting, you need to sort of think at least like three to four months ahead of your planning meetings that you have everything you need by the time that review comes around. That's where we got burnt the first time. We didn't have it all in place um, by the time our review came around. Um, But more recently there have been some really good changes at the NDIS, which we really benefited from. Um, So um, our car modifications were approved um, and we were ready to go and very excited because, you know, the wheelchair was getting, increasingly heavy, but like you, the um, provider that we'd locked in, um, it was going to be at least a nine month wait, which made me want to cry. So we went about finding a plan B and we were um, lucky enough to, you know, chat to different parents, see what they were doing and got recommended a company that had just started doing um, the modifications that we were after. Um, And NDIS now made it easy for that um, choice and control to come into these type of purchasing um, decisions, where if you can find a, you know, a similar company that will do um, the same thing and you can get it for a, you know, a similar amount of money, um, you don't have to go back to NDIS, resubmit your quotes, get it approved. You can just actually um, redirect those funds to the company that um, can give you what you want then and there. So that's fantastic. Um, And yeah, we've seen that with other pieces of equipment as well, where they're now providing sort of brackets of funding support. Um, So if you can get a piece of equipment that meets your needs within that funding bracket, um, you don't have to be tied to, you know, you know, there's lots of situations where maybe you've tried an eye gaze a year ago, you've applied for it, but maybe your needs have changed. And now means that you don't need to buy, the original piece of equipment that you were scripted, you can now buy what is right for you at the time, which is just a huge improvement.
0: Love that flexibility. Had you already put a deposit down with a car modification company?
1: We hadn't put the deposit down. We had um, signed a, uh, you know, we'd signed, uh, I think, an agreement saying that we were going to go with them. Um, but I think there should really be some flexibility on the side of those companies as well, especially given that their, um, their timelines have blown out so badly because of COVID and workforce um, shortages. So I would imagine, you know, there could be a bit of negotiating um, with them based on the timings
0: yes might need to get a little bit mm-hmm. confrontational and put our advocacy hats on there but <laughs> it's, it's good to know that that it can happen that's great this episode of ndis know-how is sponsored by peds education the game-changing medical training service started by two pediatric intensive care nurses Peds Education offers tailored, specialized training for people who support children with disability, be they carers, allied health professionals, support workers, educators, or family members. With courses including tracheostomy care, seizure management, tube feeding, and many more, and first aid courses that are customized to your child, Peds Education will ensure your kiddo's support system knows exactly how to keep them happy and healthy. The best part? They come to you with a network of medical trainers rolling out across the country and online child focused first aid courses soon to launch no matter where you live peds education can help get in touch with the team via the link in the show notes to find out how your ndis plan can cover this brilliant educational service and if you mention ndis know-how in your email inquiry you can get a 10% discount on a specialised training package, including first aid for businesses. Huge thanks to PEDS Education. My chat with Sarah continues with the question of, how does she make the NDIS work for her family?
1: Okay, so I've been through the full gamut of um, agency managed when we started. I then went to plan management um, and I'm now self-managed and I would not have it any other way. Um, and the reason is, um, I like I like the level of control it gives me, and I also really like the um, the timeliness. So one of the biggest things that frustrated me with the kind of um, having someone else manage it is that I would submit an invoice for a piece of equipment that I needed urgently. You know, it might just be a hundred dollar neck collar, for example. Um, but if Franklin needs something, he needs it pretty quickly. I don't want to wait three months. Um, So waiting for another company to pay the invoice, you know, that was just causing delays and and frustration. So I think being self-managed, it means I can have the control of getting what I need then and there. I can negotiate with the um, providers to um, get it to us more quickly.
0: How do we do that? What works there? I
1: think this would be one of my sort of approaches generally is, Building relationships is really key. So I know that we deal with a lot of frustrations, whether it's with the LAC um, or whether it's, um, you know, suppliers and they are having a lot of customer service challenges at the moment. I think they're just very, very short staffed, but I think I've tried to build relationships over the years um, with them so that they they really know Franklin, they really know how important equipment is for him. They know what's going to work for him. Um, and they understand our family um, dynamics, and I guess ultimately you can ask for little favors, um, you know, just based on that that relationship and their understanding of why you need it and what the impact is of not having something more quickly. Um, so yeah, I think I, I just try to work in a constructive way with people. In a, you know, I've working in professional services, I always wanted to do my best work for um, clients that were really clear, you know, they could give feedback that I might not have wanted to hear, but if they did it in a really respectful um, way, um, you know, I wanted to do my best work for them and keep working with them. So I try and just be respectful and um, share information with the providers so they can
0: hopefully (laughs) hopefully pull those favours when we need them. You've given so much good advice already, Sarah. Is there anything else that you could offer, say a family that was brand new, to the NDIS what would your number one piece of advice be to that family
1: okay so I think one of the things I really struggled with um, and probably it's still a work in progress um, in this journey is the guilt that comes with having a kid who has really high support needs and um, has so many goals really and I think um, maybe after when Franklin was around two, we had all these goals and it was like Driving his Wizzy Bug every day, practicing on his eye gaze, um, you know, practicing spoon feeding, going in his standing frame, uh, plus like twelve other other things. So I made a little um, spreadsheet of the week, and and when I could fit these things in, and what that spreadsheet showed me was that it was impossible. <laughs> what we were being um, suggested by well-meaning therapists to do at home was just impossible. Um, and I felt like a therapist and I felt like I was just failing constantly. So I think at that point, I just decided that that was not the life I wanted to live. It wasn't gonna help anybody. Um, So I decided that I was really gonna tackle it by prioritizing what was most important to us in the long-term, but also then and there and maybe review um, those goals every sort of three to six months and look at if we were focusing our energy and efforts into the right place. Um so I prioritize things like communication. Um, you know, Franklin, he it's unlikely that he'll walk, but if he can communicate, that's going to really improve his quality of life and that's going to open up up the world um to him um in the best way. So that's really what I decided was most important to us um and shaped it around that. And then the other thing I I did is I decided I actually just wanted to be his mum more um and just you know hang out with him, play with him. So we have things now, like we've got an amazing team of um, support workers who have built um, over the years, um, and they will do things like they'll practice, uh, you know, his alphabet with him or they, they'll they um, get him in his standing frame. Um, I'll get different people at school to work on um, different, different goals with him. And that's really helped to take some of that pressure off me. I know what I need to focus on um, and other people can take some of that load for me too.
0: I love that. And then you can just focus on cuddles and books and the lovely stuff. <laughs> Having fun together. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's really hard at the start though, isn't it? You just feel like you need to do everything. And that, like you say, there aren't enough hours in the day to actually do what is expected of us. So it's really nice when you can outsource as much as you can and just be mum like you say. It
1: is and I know they talk about neuroplasticity in the first two years and of course that's an important window but I think the reality is kids keep learning and they also they need to be happy to learn so it's not like you know the door door doesn't close after that age you can keep progressing and you can chip away at it in your own time but there's a lot of um, time to make room for fun as well and just living.
0: Thank you to Sarah for this lovely chat and thank you for listening. A big thanks also to Hire for supporting me in making this podcast and a special thank you to Peds Education for sponsoring this episode. I'll catch you again soon on NGIS Know How.